0: Very good. Can we thank the team as well as they, uh, as they go out? It's awesome to start each night, each service with worship. Um, I hope you're well. My name's Trav. Uh, if I haven't met you, it'd be awesome to meet you after the service. I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, I'm excited. I'm a bit sad as well, but Term 1 is finished. If there's any school kids in the house who are keen that Term 1's finished, I feel like I'm a youth, sorry. Um, is anyone excited that the school is over? Is there a few out there? A few teachers I can, I can hear as well. Uh, it's all happening. Easter's coming up. Schools uh, finished for a term, and uh, the young ads are doing a relationship connect series. So it's all happening. It's all the good times. Uh, we're continuing in our uh, series in James, and uh, last week Dan spoke, uh, and he talked about the power of the tongue. He talked about um, uh, we saw how that the tongue is a though it's a small thing, it's it's like a fire. It, uh, it needs to be bridled, it needs to be contained, it needs to be mastered, uh, lest it, it sets fire to a whole forest. And uh, there's this quote, and it says, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. And what it means by that is that words, um, spoken and written, have incredible uh, potential for, for, for good and good and um, for evil as well, and so it needs to be contained. What comes out of our mouths needs to be contained. And so if, if speech is so important, and um, since I'm hoping that we're here tonight because we want to uh, bring ourselves under uh, God's lordship, uh, how can we learn to, to control our tongue? How can we continue to walk in what um, Christ has for our lives? What can we do? James 3.6 says, the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. If I can just remind you a bit about um, last week's message, the tongue, it's a world of unrighteousness, he says. And then in verse 8, he says, no human being can contain it. So um, it feels a little bit like our hands are tied. We're a little bit doomed in this, right? You get that feeling of, well, is there anything I can do? And uh, thankfully, this section that we're looking at tonight, James Deals with this question. He deals with how can we actually bring ourselves, um, bring our speech, and bring our action under uh, God's lordship. So we're going to turn together to James chapter three, verses thirteen to eighteen, and um, and read from there. He says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom." But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, Submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So, James, he offers a very clear tactic to bridling the tongue, a very practical thing that we can do as followers of Christ in our lives. He says, pretty simply, you need godly wisdom. That's the the truth of the matter. You need Godly wisdom. You need wisdom that comes from heaven. Uh, some translations say from above. You know, you need this wisdom that comes from heaven. No human being can, can do this work. No human being can come up with this kind of wisdom. Um, for they are naturally earthy, earthly, but through God's wisdom, um, they, can, they can restrain their tongue. They can, they can take part in the good deeds that they are supposed to do. And uh, James sets up two kinds of wisdom. He sets up, um, there's a wisdom that, that does not come from heaven. So we can think of that as an ungodly kind of wisdom. And he says, these are, this kind of wisdom, this is earthly, it's unspiritual and demonic. Then he has another type of wisdom, and that is godly wisdom. He says, you know, he gives these, he lists off these things about it. He says, it's peace loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's, Full of mercy and good fruit it 's impartial and sincere it 's a beautiful thing. it sounds incredible. this godly wisdom. two options for us he gives ungodly wisdom and godly wisdom. Um, this at first really threw me a little bit because I thought, how can you have a good wisdom and a bad wisdom like is there such thing as as bad wisdom? It sounds like a, a paradox, you know it sounds like a contradiction and um I was thinking about this, and I think what, how we think as, as modern people, or most of us probably think this way, is um, we think of wisdom in terms of you either have it or you don't, right? There's people in our lives who we think of, yep, you've got it, you've got wisdom, and then there's people in our lives who we go, oh, maybe you've got a bit more growing to do or something like that, okay? There's people who have it, and there's people that don't. And um, you can certainly get more wisdom. You know, you can certainly, as life goes on and you, you go through experiences in life, you can get more wisdom under your belt. Um, but it's not a matter of, you know, oh, they've got bad wisdom and they've got good wisdom. It's It seems like a contradiction. Um, being wise is akin to being sensible and prudent. Um, there can't be a bad form of that. Um, as I was looking at this, uh, I, I was obviously studying this and, and looking at this, and um, what I found was that there's the, the Bible has a much more nuanced version, a much more nuanced definition and understanding of what wisdom actually means. And uh, the Greek word for wisdom is actually sophia. So if there's any sophias or sophies here tonight, or if you know of any sophias and sophies, they've got some big shoes to fill. Um, the other word that is used is a word... Um, Pronounced epistemon, which is a Greek word, it means, stands to mean understanding. So, um, if there's any epistemons here tonight as well, or if you know of any epistemons, you've also got big shoes to fill. But one biblical dictionary um, defines wisdom, this word Sophia, as the practical skills associated with understanding and living a successful life. The practical skills, it's not just about knowledge. Um, wisdom according to the Bible is very much referring to the, the day in, the day out, the practical skills in life. And, and this makes a bit more sense when we look at the multiple skill sets that James is telling us about. You know, he says there's, a, there's two wisdoms on offer. If we can think about it, there's two skill sets. There's two uh, ways of, of, of conducting your life, a godly way and an ungodly way. And so this, this framework works a little bit better for us us modern day people and we can think about this and we know that there are actually multiple skill sets in life. There's multiple wisdoms out there on offer. Um, there's horoscopes which claim to provide wisdom for the future. There's, there's self-help books um, all out there that, that offer daily wisdom for us. There's an array of new age spiritual ways to, to gain wisdom there's social media influencers who 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 tell us how to live a successful life, how to parent successfully, and all the all the rest of it. Uh, university degrees, there's there's plenty of those out there to make you wise, and um, and there's YouTube personalities who who have an opinion on just about everything about how to get wise, and um, um, some of these they have financial wisdom. You know, uh, telling us to invest in this cryptocurrency or or trade in this stock or, or uh, or or don't buy now, don't buy a house now, buy a house later, and and you know, all, offering all this financial wisdom, all the time. There's lots of different wisdoms in our world. A, a while ago, a friend of mine told me about a new cryptocurrency that had hit the market. I've got I've got no idea about crypto, by the way, but um. He told me about this new cryptocurrency that hit the market, which promised a profit return of 4,000%. He said, um, if you invest just, you know, theoretically, if you invest $100 and, um, and you lock it up for a month, in one month, it will be worth $4,000. And that was, that was a while ago, and I, and I just mentioned the other day, I said, oh, what happened with that? Like, you know, how did that go? He said, yeah, it's, it's all gone. It's all gone. The money just gone. There are lots of wisdoms in this world. There's lots of ways to uh, conduct your life in a successful way, but not all are good. Not all are true. And uh, some might even say, you might even say this, um, you might even say, well, you make up your own wisdom, right? Like you make up your own truth. What's true for you is not true for me. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's how we live our lives. It's sort of a, a postmodern sort of sense um, in which we can think, you know, you have your truth, I have my truth, you have your wisdom, I have my wisdom, and and who are you to tell me what's better or worse? And um, that is a confusing way to live life. That is very that's a minefield to to live life with. And and praise the Lord, James really simplifies things for us. He says, "There's two, you've got ungodly and godly wisdom." Um, so he gives us a really practical. Uh, a practical sense here of of how to how to live life um, under under godly wisdom, and so tonight's tonight's message is is going to be really practical. Uh, it's I, I think you got to you know there's there's times in the Bible where it's so clear and and worth going through each uh, little nuance and each little word. So we're going to look firstly at what ungodly wisdom is, and then godly wisdom after it, but. We'll start with ungodly, because James, um, he's, he's pretty brutal with the words he uses here, and it's, it's worth looking at. It's worth having a, a talk over. James gives us the markers in verse 14 for, for ungodly wisdom. He says, If there is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, then you do not have the wisdom which comes from above, but you have wisdom which is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And as such, there will be disorder, um, there will be vile practices in your life. Um, this word, this word for jealousy that's that's used here, what it is, it's to denote an enthusiastic commitment to self-advancement at the expense of others. And what James is saying here is, if there are practices or deeds in your life which, where you place yourself above others at their expense, then you are practicing ungodly wisdom, and hence there will be disorder. Your life will will look terrible because you're placing others above yourself. Where there is selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, disarray, confusion, broken relationship, and and acts of evil will, will follow. This is what he's saying. I'm really sorry if I, if I trigger some um, high school students here, but Shakespeare's play Macbeth actually um, really showcases this in, in a perfect way. If you know the story, or um, whether by choice or force of Australian education, um, you'll know how uh, there's, there's Macbeth. He's a Scottish general, and uh, he's a valiant fighter, he's noble. Um, but he receives a prophecy that he will one day be king of Scotland. And uh, consumed by ambition and spurred on by his wife, he takes action and he kills the current king of Scotland. He murders the king and takes the throne because he's next in line. As time goes on, however, Macbeth is is racked with guilt. He's racked with paranoia. He um, he starts to, to he has to cover his tracks so no one finds out about this. So he's forced to commit more and more murders. He's he just descends into madness and his wife, um, too, descends into madness and they're just guilt-ridden. And the play ends uh, with them spiraling into, out of control and they both die. Now, it's not the most uplifting play and um, not many of Shakespeare's are, but it's an incredibly good illustration, even if it is dialed up to 11. It's a good example of... of where there's selfish ambition, there's, there's disorder. And this has been known for, for, for thousands of years. Selfish ambition, it leads to disorder. It burns bridges. You know, it, it leads to questionable practices. The law starts to be uh, bent a little bit with selfish ambition. And it leads to immoral choices. Um, You might ask the question, well, why is this the case? Like, why? what is actually happening here? Why does that occur? And James, he he gives us this. He gives us this information. He says the answer, um, the reason why ungodly wisdom um, exists is because it has ungodly roots. And these roots, he says, are their earthly roots, unspiritual, and demonic, the three things he gives us. And we can see the grading of 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 language here. We can see how it starts out with earthly, and we can see how it it descends, it spirals into uh, unspiritual, and then finishes with a, a strong word, demonic is what James uses. And so we'll go through these these words really quickly so we can see, is there anything in our hearts? Is there anything in our lives at the moment that is that is coming from that that place that is, rooted in that place. So ungodly wisdom is earthly because it does not recognize God. It flows out of a selfish ambition. It flows out of a human desire and ambition. It says things like, you've got to look out for number one. You've got to do what's best for you, okay? You've got to sort, sort yourself out. Um, it doesn't matter who you climb over to get, to get there. You've got to do what's right for you. And so, and so ungodly wisdom, it's, it's constantly self-promoting. It's constantly seeking the self is what's happening. And it, it, it takes advantage of others in the name of a good deal. You know, it, it takes advantage. It, it, it errs on the side of deceit. It's, 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 it allows being angry. It allows um, being money hungry. Because ungodly wisdom... If it means that you, are, if it means that you as, as as a person are better off afterwards, then any means is justifiable. As long as you come out number one, anything is justifiable. That's what it means to um, to arrive that to have selfish human desires out of an earthly position. And we don't have to look far in our lives to see how capable we are to, to, to do something like this. To, how capable we are to, to uh, climb over others to, to get what we need, to get what we want. Um, and we don't have to look far in our world to see how this operates, you know. We see this often in, in, in business spheres and political spheres as well. We see uh, leaders who, who are willing to divide a group, uh, willing to marginalise or alienate others to stay in power, to, to hold on to power, hold on to prestige, We need only look currently at at Eastern Europe at the moment to to see how this plays out, to see the, the disastrous, devastating effects of selfish ambition. Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Ungodly wisdom does not have the fear of the Lord. It doesn't recognize that there is a God and that he needs to be submitted to. It does not submit to the Lord. And so we can see how it then becomes unspiritual. We see how we go from earthly to unspiritual, because if you don't submit to the Lord, if you don't submit to God, you're cutting yourself off from him. You're relying purely on the the human, the here and the now, the, the the. naturalistic uh, view of life. You're relying on the flesh. Ambitious, envious wisdom does not come from the Holy Spirit. It comes from the flesh. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but they consider them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Jude 19 tells us such people follow more natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Ungodly wisdom, it's unspiritual because it's cut off from God. It's, it's not tapping into the, the spirit. It's not tapping into the spiritual realm. It's, it's concerned with things that, that, that are here, things that we can see, things of the now, and uh, it's completely self-reliant. And then finally, James tells us that uh, the, the the last sort of... the Last place that uh, that ungodly wisdom comes from is it comes from place of the demonic, and you might think, wow, that is a, such a strong term. That is such a strong way to put it, and it, it it is necessary because it it explains just the strength of this kind of ungodly wisdom, and it uses the word demonic to to show that it's actually not just a lower form of wisdom. It's not just a A substandard form of wisdom, but it's actually in opposition to God. That is what demonic means, to be in opposition to God. To to not want what God wants. To actually, uh, you know, you want the opposite of what God wants. Um, Ungodly wisdom, it wants anything but the things of God. It doesn't want him. It doesn't want uh, what he has to offer. It wants to serve the self. It wants to make us... Big and him small. And as such, it alienates us from him. So do you get those three things? There's ungodly wisdom is, is earthly in that it relies on self, it's unspiritual in that it's cut off from God, and it's it's demonic in that it's in direct opposition to God. Now I think it's important for James to to reveal what ungodly wisdom is first so that we can, we can see the next part in light of that, right? Like we can see that the fact that that is the reality of, of the human condition without, without God, without God's help. And it is, it's bleak, it is grim, it's, it's not good. But then James shows us this is what actually you can, you can live in with God. This is what God has done for us. This is the good news. You've heard the reality, this is the good news now. And so we, we move, um, thankfully, onto godly wisdom now, and we have a, a, a beautiful picture that's painted for us. Uh, but one of the things that is really important to know is that godly wisdom is always accompanied by action. It's always, it's, in fact, it's authenticated by action. I don't know how it started for me, but on Fridays, I just love making pancakes for breakfast. Sounds random, but I just do. It's the thing I just do on Friday mornings. I don't, I don't know where it started. I think I just naturally love pancakes, but I came to the realization that, you know, I'm an adult now. I can't just have heaps of sugar all the time for breakfast. Um, and so I've, I've limited it to Friday morning, and that's when I have pancakes for breakfast. So it's just what I do. Um, it probably explains why I have a huge sugar crash in the afternoon as well, right before youth. So that's good as well. Maybe I need to change it to Sundays. Um, Anyway, over the last few weeks in our house, there's just, uh, maybe it's to do with the rain, I'm not sure. There's just been an abundance of ants constantly coming into our pantry and coming into our kitchen, just in those huge lines of ants. And um, no matter how many times we try and get rid of them, they always come back. And um, so one of the things we have to do at the moment is to check all the food before we, before we use it. You know, check under lids and stuff like that to make sure there's you no know, ants have gotten in there. And just recently, a Friday rolled around and I'm, I'm doing the Friday ritual. I'm making my, my pancakes and I grab the maple syrup, um, which is an essential part, as you would know, and I, I go to pour it over the top and I think, hang on, I, I need to check whether there are ants in here because that could be devastating. And the the lid's on tight and the the packaging, I can't see in it, so I have that thought. And now you might hear me say that and go, well done, great thought, yep, bang on, that's awesome, that's, you know, that's, that's wisdom. There was an observation, there was a reflection on past experience, and then you thought of the consequences, well done. But did I actually go and action that thought? No, in this case, I don't know what came over me. I was so excited for the pancakes. I just thought, nah, she'll be right. The lid's on tight enough, whatever. And I poured them over and then just a slurry of ants just comes out with the maple syrup. Just everywhere. Straight in the bin where they probably attract the next load of ants in there as well. I've got to deal with that later. But just Pancake Friday ruined, you know? Just not a great, not a great thing. Now, obvious question what would your assessment be of me in that moment? Am I wise or am I foolish? I'm foolish. If you think I'm wise, don't be so nice. I'm foolish. Okay? Of course you should say I'm foolish. Because the wisdom was never actuated. It never came to bear. It never actually happened. I, I had the thought, but it never actually happened. So wisdom never came to be. It, it remained a fragment. It remained just a, a, a a shadow, just a thought. Faith without deeds is dead, just like wisdom without action is dead. This is what James is telling us. He says, show your good life by deeds done in humility through wisdom. It's true, isn't it? Bright ideas in life are nothing without action. They, don't, they have no significance. They're actually not even brought into existence until they are actioned. It's no good to sit back and hold all the answers about how things should be and how things should change and we should be doing this and we should be doing this if they're not followed by action. There's no point to them. And this isn't to say that every wise idea you get that you should just hop up out of your chair and just go and do it. Of course, we need to discern these things. Is that idea in line with God or is it in line with self? We need to think about those things and discern it. But it, it, the reality is it does not truly become wisdom until it is brought forth through speech, through action, through, through deed, and good behavior. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's sort of true of worldly wisdom as well when you think about it. Like, nothing is really ever actualized until you do it. Um, but th- there's an important distinction here because with worldly wisdom, you can, you can pick and choose when you, when you use it, you know? um it 's sometimes true of of worldly wisdom, um, but it 's always true of godly wisdom. Action is always necessary in godly wisdom worldly wisdom you can you can choose when you 're smart you can choose when you 're going to do something clever, and then you can actually choose when you 're not going to do it. You can be smart at work during the week, you can be doing wise things during at work, but the weekend rolls around, and you can choose to to just tap out and 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 do things that aren't smart. You can be wise with your finances, but, but terrible with other things in, in your life. You can pick and choose with worldly wisdom. But godly wisdom always necessitates action of good deeds. John Piper says that uh, godly wisdom has the necessary re- resolve to act on knowledge and insight. Gary Holloway says that godly wisdom is never intellectual attainment alone. It is a way of living in harmony with God and others. And so we'll turn now, we'll we'll go back to verse 16, and we'll we'll have a look at these these attributes that that were given in in the book of James. And he describes godly wisdom, first of all, as pure. Then he describes it as peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Uh, If this list of virtues sounds really um, familiar, then good, because it it closely resembles the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians and um, the Beatitudes in Matthew as well, and and a bit more on that later, but um, they're all very similar. Godly wisdom, it's it's firstly pure. It's firstly uh, without defect or blemish. And the reason for this is because it comes directly from God himself. It's, It's directly from above. Okay, it hasn't been tainted by, by human impurity. It hasn't been tainted by human desires and, and self. It's, it's purely from God. It's, it's pure, straight from him, straight from the source. Which means if it's directly from God, it seeks to expressly do what God has called one to do. Wisdom from God seeks to do what God has called one to do. You know it doesn't mix man's will and God's will together it, it, in fact is if it's from God it is a, a God call it's God's undivided will for us. Godly wisdom seeks to do what God, God has called one to do. secondly, it, it's peace loving it's considerate and it's full of mercy and, and I was reflecting on this and, and thinking how many times have have I um, and and you might you might uh, feel this as well. How many times have I, in the name of wisdom, just done incredible damage to someone? You know, just done, just in the name of, of maybe hard love or, you know, this is wisdom, this is cold, hard fact, cold, hard truth, just done incredible damage to someone when, it, when I completely did not have to. Or maybe for you, when it, has there been a time when you've just gone to someone for for wisdom and you've just been smashed? You've just been, you know, someone's just, in the name of the, the, the strong arm of the Lord, you've just left crushed. James is, is telling us, though there's a time to be blunt and there's a time to be clear uh, and give strong advice. And the reason it comes across so blunt and, and strong is because it flies in the face of worldly wisdom. That's why. He says there's time and there's, there's, it's important to be strong in that. But there's never a time to not seek peace. There's never a time to to not be full of mercy, to not show mercy to those who we we, we offer ourselves to through our deeds and and behaviour. Wisdom, godly wisdom that is, should take care of others, should aim to take care of others. Admittedly, there, there will be and there are certainly times of, of disagreements um, that occur between Christians. And there's, there's certainly times of, of animosity and, and um, quarrelling and, and fighting and all the rest. And Paul's letter to the Corinthians is, is a prime example of, of church division. You know, breakdowns in church um, between Christians caused not by... A clash of opinions, and not by theological differences, and not by personality clashes, but ultimately because there's a lack of mercy between its people. There's a lack of love. There's a, there's a lovelessness in these people's hearts. And this is why Paul says, he says, you know, the greatest of, of all spiritual gifts. It's, it's great if you can if you can prophesy, and it's great if you can if you can um, you have the gift of tongues. But he said the greatest is the gift of, of love that's the greatest and it's the same here with wisdom as well if we if we hide behind theological differences as a reason to not offer peace to someone or we believe that someone is acting without god's wisdom and you're trying to trying to show them god's wisdom it, it's it's you, you cannot we cannot stand behind uh, clashes of personality we need to to seek peace and need to seek to offer mercy at all times and uh, this is particularly true when it when it comes to defending the faith in in our society and there's a call there's a call on us to give an account um, to give a defense for for Christ when we're called upon you know it's sort of I'm, I'm talking these big apologetics kind of questions you know when you may be asked well why is there suffering in the world or why you know why does can I trust the Bible? And all these sorts of questions. And in the name of wisdom, we can, we can sometimes just so, so fiercely want to win the argument, but we actually end up losing the person in the process. And which, is, which, is, which would you rather? You would, you would always rather win the person. We're not here to, to win. We're not here to just win arguments. We're here to win souls. And so knowledge and wisdom and intelligence just quickly, quickly descends um, into ungodliness when it does not seek peace, when it does not seek mercy. Lastly, godly wisdom is submissive, it's impartial, and it's, and it's sincere. The thing about godly wisdom, this might seem a bit odd at first, it's that it, it actually doesn't insist on its own way. It's open to persuasion from others. Um, this doesn't mean that wise people just do whatever um, they're told and they're subservient and they're easily swayed and they, you know, they, they can't ever make a decision on their own. But it's just that they are not stubborn individualists that have to always, um, have to always follow through with what they think. They are open to reason. They're, they're open to new ideas. They, are, they pay attention to collective wisdom. This is this is something that I've I've uh, come to learn as um, just just with leading Switch and um, um, with so many leaders and so many uh, different personalities and, and just incredible strengths that there is something really powerful um, for for you to say to yourself for I to say to myself that I could actually be wrong here. I could actually not have this figured out that. Um, there may be actually a better opinion out there than the one I currently hold. And it's incredibly humbling to do so, but it's actually acting in accordance with godly wisdom to to say that, to think that. And I know I've been so blessed by by the team um, for youth, the leaders that that come with these great, incredible ideas, and and I have to go, that's that's better than my idea. That's way better. Let's do that. And... um, it, you're so. I'm so blessed by, um, by that process. And uh, it, just a just a disclaimer as well. It's not in a sense of like, um, you know, when you say I could be wrong here. It's not in a sense of oh no, like I, I I've got I've got nothing to offer. Like I've just you know I'm horrible. I've just I've got no good ideas. And it's not in that sense where you're self-doubting and sort of I'm um, going into that sinful place of you know my problems are bigger than God's. That's not what's what's happening here. But it's an enacting of humility, where one has an honest view of themselves, where they can recognize, hey, I'm vulnerable to sin, but at the same time, I'm deeply valued by God. And the last couple of, of words, godly wisdom doesn't show favoritism. It, uh, it doesn't become hypocritical. You know, we, we love people, our leaders, uh, in in life and around us too. Once they've once they've weighed up the uh, the options and once they've weighed up the opinions, that when they make an opi- when they make a decision, they actually follow it through. They they fully go through with it. They don't they don't doubt themselves. They don't go back and forth a bit. We love decision, don't we? We love to follow a leader who does this, and that, and that's a godly trait to 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 see things out once you've weighed them up. To demonstrate consistency. And, uh, and and just one more one more point as well is that, that uh, godly wisdom never coerces others. It never uh, forces others to do what they want to manipulate them to force them to into something. Um, God does not coerce us, and, and we uh, we follow in Him when we when we do not coerce others through through godly wisdom. Uh, there's a fair lot to take in with that. I understand there's a lot of words coming at you. There's lots of, lots of things here. There's a big list uh, in, the, in, in this passage tonight. And if you were, if you were to take those um, virtues and you were to make a checklist, and you, if you were to walk around with that checklist and, and every decision or every wise thought that came into your mind, if you were to check them with that checklist, you would, you'd, you'd get over it so quickly. You'd, you'd drop that instantly. You'd get sick of that. And so if we take this, this section that James is, is giving to us, if we take that and if we turn it into a how-to guide, um, we're, we're only halfway there. We're only halfway um, in the process. We've, we've missed a big point. And uh, that point is that we as human beings, we cannot create godly wisdom in and of ourselves. We can't manufacture it in and of ourselves. It has to be received. It must be received. And so for the last section of tonight, we're gonna to just look at how do we receive godly wisdom. If, if it's so good, if we're, if we're talking about how it's the way that we're meant to live, if it's, it's way better than ungodly wisdom, then we're gonna to wanna to receive it. How do we do that? 1 Corinthians one thirty says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. If there's one truth that we need to take away from tonight, it's that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. He is the action of the Father. He is the one who, who authenticates, well, the Father authenticates his wisdom, his truth, his love in the person of Jesus. He, he's, the, he's, the, he's the action, he's, the, he's the, the living proof, the authentication of the Father's love for us. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God and we can see how, how um, the attributes of godly wisdom are actually just attributes of Christ, aren't they? You know, Jesus is peaceable, he's, he's, he's peace-loving, he's gentle, he's open to reason. He's full of mercy and good fruits. He's impartial and sincere. We we see those, those virtues listed all through the New Testament because they all relate back to Jesus. They are all found in Jesus. Everything that James says we are to be is found in Christ, And so if we come and we receive Christ, we too receive this godly wisdom that James is talking about. We receive this this way of living. We receive this new outlook, skill set of life. And it's found through Christ. This is why no human being can tame the tongue. It's it's Christ's work in them that can do it. This is why no human being is capable of, of doing these things, but it's Christ that's doing the work in them. To receive godly wisdom is to receive Christ. Um, but there's still just, there's, there's three practical ways I wanna leave you with tonight as we, as we come to, to finish. And three ways to, to practically see this in our lives, to see how we can receive Christ and we can receive the wisdom in and through him. The first one is this, we must prize wisdom. We must Prize wisdom in the same way that we prize Christ. Proverbs 4.8 says, it's talking about wisdom here. It says, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. In Proverbs 8.10-11 to 11 says, choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Wisdom through Christ, it must be cherished, it must be prized, it must be sought after, more so than gold, more so than all the riches of this world, more so than popularity, more so than, than, than money, more so than material things. Wisdom through Christ must be prized, must be highly sought after. King Solomon, when he um, asked the Lord, he asked the Lord not for, for riches or anything, he asked the Lord for wisdom to help him rule um, God's people to help him um, do what is godly. That's the thing he sought the most. Wisdom must be cherished and desired. Secondly, wisdom through Christ must be asked for. It can be asked for. That's, that's an incredible offering tonight for us Right as we sit here right now is that wisdom through Christ can be asked for. James 1 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. God freely and generously gives Christ to us, and hence he freely and generously gives us his wisdom. He doesn't want us to live in a, in a world that's dictated by worldly wisdoms. He wants to give us the tools that we need to live a life that is, that is in line with his will. God doesn't withhold that. We can seek this, we can ask, him, we can ask for that tonight, in fact, and we can pray and we can seek him in that. And, uh, and lastly, just as, as the team um, come up and as we prepare to worship, the last thing is that wisdom through Christ must be pursued. You know, it must be, it, it must be cherished, it must be asked for, but it must be pursued in our, in our lives. You know, we, we can't sit back idly, we can't be passive and just coast through life. There's, there's, a, there's a much greater calling on our lives if we are in Christ, we must pursue after him and after his wisdom. And this looks like getting into the word of God. It looks like reading the Bible. It looks like spending time going through the words that are, that are in, that, in, in your Bible. And seeing how it's not only the fact that God is with, throughout the whole Bible, that God is with his people, that he has a plan, that he has an incredible story that he unfolds over um, over the Bible and, and the fact that he's, he always calls for reliance on him. That's, that's one of the, the greatest themes is he always calls on reliance to him. But there's moments in the, in the Old Testament, especially in, in those stories where God gives practical advice to people. He gives, them, he gives them the plans. He gives them the literal plans and structures to, um, to allow them to succeed. And so God wants to, to reveal those to us as well. He wants to reveal um, very uh, detailed and very um, plans that are specific for our, for our purposes as well. And we must seek it as well by walking with wise teachers, by, by humbly saying, I, I, do, I might be wrong here. I might be wrong in many things in life. I'm, I am in fact wrong in many things in life, but... Just to be able to come to that place and and recognize, I need to walk with people who are wiser than me. I need to I need to see how they live life, and I need to I need to be um, I need to be instructed by them as well. So wisdom in Christ must be prized, must be asked for, and must be pursued. Um, we have a moment now to come and and worship. And um, this song we're going to sing is is. You know, saying, God, I look to you. God, I, I look to you for everything. I look to you for wisdom. I look to you for strength. I look to you for all that I need. And, uh, and so we come now with an opportunity to submit to him and to, and to put these things into practice and say, Christ, I want to receive you and, uh, and, and then receive your wisdom in and through you as well. So why don't I pray? Why don't we, we stand together and I'll pray for us and pray. Um, Let's worship. We can be confident. We have great assurance that that God wants to uh, work in our lives. He wants to give us his wisdom. So let's pray. Lord, we give thanks to you that that we need not fall victim to worldly wisdom anymore. That you've actually come and you've You've made a way for us to, to, to know how to live properly. And that is with you. That's with reliance on you. And uh, Lord, I, I, I pray that if, that if anyone right now is, is in that world of disorder, of disarray, of, of calamity, that, that uh, you will step in and you will offer them wisdom practically, Lord. You'll give them the, the tools that they need to, to, uh, to, to walk on um, the path of righteousness with you. And uh, Lord, I thank you that you, you freely give us your son, Jesus. And that through him, you, you've revealed your wisdom, you've revealed your truth and your love for us. And um, Lord, we ask for that right now, to know more of you, to know uh, more of your wisdom in our lives, great God. And uh, we're excited, Lord. We know you've got plans in store for us. We know you've got things, that, uh, journeys you want to take us through, Lord. And uh, we're excited um, to journey with, that, with you in that, Lord. So we give you thanks. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Just conscious tonight as uh, Travis was just sharing, maybe God's laid something on your heart in, in order, you know, something that you need wisdom around or maybe something that God's laid on your heart that you know you need to do. And I was just struck as Travis shared about, it's the implementation of that, uh, that wisdom that uh, brings it to fruition. And so maybe there's just something you know you've got to implement tonight. And I just want to take this opportunity just to pray for you before we go, uh, that God will give you the strength to implement what you know you need to do. Let's just quickly pray. Father, I just thank You for Your Word and how powerful it is and how it impacts our lives. And I'm just conscious there may be some here tonight that they just sensed even through that message that You are speaking to them. There's an act or there's a, um, just something they need to apply to their life, great God. And I really pray that You'd give them strength to apply the wisdom that You've given them. Apply it to their lives this very week, this very night, whatever that looks like, great God. But help us to apply the wisdom that You give us to our lives so that we can see the fruit of that and the outflow of that in and through us. Lord, we thank You that we can call upon You. We thank You that we can ask You for wisdom and you give it to us. That's what we need in our lives, great God. So we honour and worship you tonight and we thank you. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good to have you here tonight. Uh, Feel free to catch up afterwards, grab some food and hang out. God bless you, may God use you this week, whatever you're doing and uh, we'll see you soon.